Hello everybody, welcome to Barrel Surf Podcast, Namu here. Today on the show we have T-Bone with Matt Bromley, big wave surfer from South Africa. Matt Bromley has just put out a new movie called Groundswell, The Other Side of Fear. It features himself, Nick Von Rupp, Kai Lenny, Tori Meister and also pioneering female surfer Bianca Valenti. It's an amazing film, chock-a-block full of massive, massive, crazy waves. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy this chat that T-Bone had with Matt Bromley. And of course, Barrel Surf Podcast brought to you by Shark Eyes Wetsuits, Cheeky Monkey Brewing, Forester Estate Wines, and don't forget Down South Physio for all your physio requirements. And while we're speaking about health, head over to Athletic Greens forward slash barreled, get your bonuses, help out the podcast, and also improve your health. Now, here we go. T-Bone, you saucy bastard. You like stout, don't you? I love stout. And you love coffee. I love a good long mac. Well, why don't you fucking have a go with this one? Cheeky Monkey Brewing's latest limited release, Long Mac Topped Up Pastry Stout, 8.5%. Have a a taste. Let me get my lips around that thing. (laughs) Beautiful. Mate, it is really, really good. I had one last night. so tasty. It's a really good beer. Long Mac, Topped Up, Pastry Stout, Cheeky Monkey, Limited Edition. Get it while it lasts. It's not going to last long. You. That's delicious. It's coming up to winter time in the southwest of Western Australia. What that means over here is fires, open fires. It means red wines. It means cuddling up with your lady friend or your male friend. Or your dog. Or your dog. <laughs> or your cat. <laughs> Wallaby kangaroo. Okay, okay. Enough's enough. We need some red wine in this picture, surely. Forrester yeah. Estate. They're the best there is. I love cuddling up to a lifestyle range, Chatsy. I think it's a good, it's a good honest red wine for a good honest bloke and his missus by the fire. Or dog. Or dog. Yeah, Forrester Estate. Get on it. Get your lips around a Forrester Estate. Tell you what, coming into winter time, I am in need of a new wetsuit. Adzi. Mate, get on the Shark Eyes wetsuits. They are the world's first ever multi purpose wetsuit with no compromise function across all water sports. Uh, mate, they've got decades of manufacturing experience and environmentally conscious premium materials have all gone into this. There's a lot of a lot of research, a lot of hard work, and a lot of common sense gone into this sick wetsuit by Shark Eyes. Adzi, you've worn the, the actual wetsuit. In two words, sum it up for us, mate. Smooth balls. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so get yourself a Shark Eyes wetsuit. They're the best in the business, and you're supporting a local product. You. Barrel Surf Podcast. 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 Yeehaw! Welcome to Barrel Surf Podcast. You're, you're here with T-Bone today. I'm flying solo because Namu and Adzi are either at work or surfing. Today we've got a special guest. We've had him on the podcast before. Big wave charger from Cape Town, Matt Bromley. Welcome back to the potty, mate. How you been? Sure. We have. We just had another baby, our second Ooh. baby. So I've got some bum cream as I saw on my <laughs> And it's been very interesting. So we've got a two-year-old now and a six-week-old. 
and could you could compare it to surfing jaws probably <laughs> worse <laughs> yeah, well, congratulations on the the arrival of your second child, mate. Yeah, I guess having I'm a, I've got two kids myself, but having two definitely changes the uh, the ball game a bit. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, well, I hope it's yeah. going well. So we messaged each other a couple of days ago. You you said you were chasing some waves yesterday. How'd you go? Did you get a surfing? Yeah, we've had a really good run. So Cape Town now, same as Oz, we're going into our, our winter. And we've had a pretty good early winter. We already had, that's only April, we had dungeons a week ago, which was Sick. Some, some beautiful big 20-foot waves. Really? And wow. then I uh, had some good waves at Sunset, which is the other really good big wave spot that we have here. That was probably 15 to 18-foot waves. And then, yeah, two, two days ago, I was chasing. We've got a really good slab here that, that turned on two days ago. We're getting some good... It's a, a very poor man's version of ship sterns at head up. Mate, well, yeah, sounds, it's been a great run. Yeah. Epic, mate. So it sounds like you, you've been getting some footage of it? Yeah, unfortunately. So the one thing about surfing in Cape Town, the, the big wave spots are very far to see. Yeah. Uh, so unfortunately, the big waves, we were full, full soul surfing, which is, I don't normally do that. <laughs> <laughs> And it actually changes the dynamic quite a lot. Normally, I feel when there's a camera, because obviously it's, it's my my job to do this, and I, I'm, it's worthwhile taking the risk and going for a really big one. And that, I was having some second thoughts because there wasn't someone to shoot in the chat. <laughs> but yeah, everyone I think's been on holiday and stuff, and they weren't really expecting waves this early in the season. So yeah. all the guys are normally were unavailable, unfortunately. I reckon we must have got some of that swell that hit Margaret River. I don't know if you watched the Margaret River WSL contest, but we got some, not huge waves, but we got some pretty decent sort of eight foot, maybe 10 foot sets. Just before the event started, we had a, there was a, a really epic day of the box and some, you know, pretty decent sized main break. Did you tune in, watch any of the, the, the contests? I watched a little bit of it, yeah, as, as much as I could with the, with the little ones. I I got stuck into the early rounds a bit and was watching my South African boys. Yeah, uh, boys at Margies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's always good to, good to watch Margies. It's such a testing wave. I've surfed it myself a few times. It's so hard to surf and yeah. kind of very similar to to waves in Cape Town as well, where it's raw and unpredictable. And yeah, but yeah, so good watching Jordy Smith and Matt McGillifray. Yeah. Well, Matt yeah. was pulling off these big air reverses right in the end section. He actually impressed me. I didn't realize he had such a dynamic air game, but he can he can pull them out when he wants to. He can, yeah. And I feel like I don't really remember him doing that much in the contest scene here in the junior years. And he's obviously he's, he lives at J Bay Super Tubes, and so his like rail game is is incredible. You can see he can really link turns together and then yeah suddenly i was seeing clips of him doing these full rotation air reverses he's kind of got that no hand air reverse on on whenever he wants to do it he can he can stick it yeah so a few days ago i noticed on your gram there's your local premiere of a new big wave documentary that's that's been released groundswell the other side of fear you must be pretty psyched of that mate when's the actual local premiere at home is it the next couple of days yeah, so we in the next two days we so actually tomorrow we've got the 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 premiere screening at the the local theatre here in Cape Town, 
and super excited. It's always like my favorite thing to kind of bring home the, the footage back to the local crowd and get everyone psyched. And I'm also really excited because the film's got a really great message behind it. I'm, uh, I'm very passionate about fear and all the stuff that goes around it. And uh, yeah, this, this, the, the director is, is a guy from, he's like a pretty big shot, like Hollywood producer guy. His name's Paul Torbley. He actually helped to start X Games and he's produced a couple like Emmy award-winning extreme sports shows. And uh, he invited me to, yeah, to, to be a part of the, uh, the film. And he, his team followed us around the, the winter in Hawaii and, and Mavericks. And they also went and shot huge Nazare and they put together a really cool, high quality mainstream film. Sick, mate. And there's a, there's a star-studded cast there, I see. Surfers, there's Nick Von Rop, Kai Lenny, your good self, Tori Meister, Makua Rothman, Bianca Valetti. I think that's all all the surfers that star in the film. And some pretty cool narration by Joss Brolin, I thought, added a, yeah, bit of a nice thing. Yeah, I, I'm pretty honoured to be amongst all those, uh, those big names, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah. So, so tell me, mate. So you mentioned some of the locations. So, so this footage was shot during what the 2021-22 big wave season. Is that right? Yeah. So they've got a. It wasn't actually well at Jaws and Mavs. It wasn't actually like the best big wave season. Unfortunately, they followed Tori Meister and myself very closely. We were tracking all the storms, and we still we got some great waves at Jaws, and we got a beautiful day at Mavs. And then it's also got a lot of like a lot of the hype up to the session that it goes back to the previous season where it was all time. So they've got a lot of footage also from the 2020, 2021 season where we had firing big jaws and an incredible day out at Mavericks. And so, yeah, there's a lot of also play on that. And yeah, so it was, it was super, super fun filming it. Mate, it's, it sounds insane. I, I... Look look forward to watching it, actually. I did get a couple of quotes from different people that have actually seen the film, the documentary. Some of the quotes were spectacular, immersive, scary, as satisfying as, satisfying as it is terrifying. So it it's, it's gives, gives those people that don't ride big waves a really cool insight into, you know, into big wave surfing. Sounds really amazing. So just on the title, Groundswell, The Other Side of Fear. So I guess my first question, mate, how do you overcome fear? Or do you, do, or you, or do you always have an element of fear when you, when you paddle out at, oh, say, 20-foot jaws or whatever? I get so scared. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's one of the cool things about this movie is that it's, it talks about the fear because I, when I was growing up, I used to think that – the big wave surfer guys didn't experience fear. They were like these nutters that are screw loose or they, maybe they were like superheroes, but yeah, it's been with this movie. Everybody talked about the fear and how they face it. And for me, I've got a number of ways that I deal with it because I'm actually very risk averse in my, in my nature. I don't, I don't, every time I even have to travel, I'm, oh, I'm leaving the comforts of home, leaving my family. I get butterflies. Every time I see a swell approaching, I've, you see, as a surfer, you're following the storms and it's represented by those big red blobs that travel across the ocean. And every time I see those, my stomach's just doing backflips. I believe I've been created to surf these big waves and I feel this deep sense of purpose when I'm out there. So that gives me a lot of peace that I'm not just out here kind of for, by mistake, that I, there's actually a sense of purpose that kind of every inch of my being is is meant to be doing this. So that, that feels really good and satisfying. I also, 
Yo, it's it's honestly a mental battle. I re- if I I find that if I leave my mind to be just passive, I get overwhelmed with negative thoughts, with doubts, and constantly doubting myself and and getting really scared. So I've actively got to have like I'll pick a few statements that I'll cling on to. So yeah, hopefully I've been training super hard. So I'll be like, you ready for this? You've been training for this moment. This is what you are here to do, and I'll cling to these statements that kind of reaffirm my purpose and, and get me excited. So and I feel like this this self positive self-talk, it, it's amazing because your whole body responds in, in such a positive way when you talk to yourself. Like if just, just for instance, I'm sure if you're under the water and you're telling yourself, I gotta get to the surface, I gotta get to the surface, I'm going down, your body is just going into this adrenaline floods your system you run out of oxygen straight away you feel like you're going to die and you've only been under the water for five seconds whereas <laughs> if you tell yourself you're going to be okay that's uncomfortable but everything in your body is working to 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 protect you just relax you got this you've trained for this all these kind of positive statements that that i found helps tremendously to relax my body and so i'm talking to myself the whole time leading up to the swells And then even when I'm paddling out and I'm sitting out the back line and the whole horizon just goes dark, like a jaws, (laughs) dark blue color. And you just, oh, it's my instinct just starts clicking in. Paddle for the horizon, you know. (laughs) So so I've got to ask you, Matt, so when you, let's say when you suffer a wipeout, what, what place do you go to? Do you start reciting these statements that you're talking about or do you start thinking of something or... Where, do, where does your mind go when, you, when you're about to suffer a really bad hold down? So I try to say, you got this, you're going to be all right. Uh, I love to count because in my training, I do a lot of underwaters with my heart racing and I count while I'm under and I take myself, I visualize the, the whole wipeout experience. I take myself through all the uncomfortable feelings and I count, I do a, a slow count to 20 when I do these underwaters in the pool. And then I link that to my, my wipeouts. So I just, if it's a really bad one, like in the film, I have one at Jaws that's a side sliding airdrop and the lip lands on me. And it was a really horrendous situation. I just told myself, okay, let's do a slow count to 20 and let's see, see where we're at. And I was just focusing on going one, two, three, to to just try focus on something other than the incredible violence. <laughs> <laughs> and then at the same time telling myself, yeah, I'm like, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be good. Yeah, all that stuff. So when you're counting, mate, do you, I mean, if you get to 30 or, or, or let's say past 20, do you start thinking, shit, do I keep counting or what? <laughs> uh, I've only probably gotten past 20 twice yeah. before. Yeah, okay. So yeah. very, very rare, especially because we have the inflation wet, wet suits, the inflation yeah. suits. So I've only got there yeah, twice at Mavericks, actually. Both both of my longest hold downs have been at Mavs. And and then again, by the time I get to 20, I still feel like I'm quite relaxed because I've just been focused on being relaxed and counting. Yeah. Whereas sometimes when I'm not in that mindset and I'm just thinking about getting to the surface as quickly as possible, and even after 10 seconds, I'm out of breath and just feeling totally panicked and Trying to like race for the surface, you know, but there's there's not much you can do to fight the ocean. Yeah, so no, just it's, to stay- it's true. 
I, I think you sort of answered the question earlier. I was going to ask you, do you have a routine or, or some habits that you have on a partic- on the morning you, you know you're going to paddle out in some big waves? Do you have any little habits you do? or? Yeah, so I find like the week leading up to the swell, I'm constantly ask kind me. of grappling and trying to get in the right mindset to, to be ready for it. And I also do a lot of visualization, like visualizing the wave that I'm looking for to try and hone in on, on that exciting moment. And then often when I wake up in the mornings, I'm, I'm not really a morning person, so I feel like tired and I feel pretty scared. And I always will try to have a little bit of a meditation quiet time. So I'll like try to read my Bible and have a prayer and just be still and just kind of maybe do a bit of visualization, think of all the training I've been doing. But I find being still in the morning is really, really important. If I just kind of jump into the day, all the feelings of anxiety and nerves start to like compound into into the day. So I try to do like a little reset, clear my mind and just get into the right zone before I get going with the day if possible. And then I always will do a good little warm up, which yeah, sounds like it. In, when I was at Jaws, I was sleeping in a tent <laughs> and I was climbed out my tent, was jumping around on the lawn and just to get the body warmed up. And then, yeah, again, when I, before I paddle out, I would say standing on the rocks or whatever, I'll try to get into like a yes kind of mindset. So I tried to get myself into a mindset that if I see the wave, that crazy big scary one coming my way that looks really good, that I'm going to say yes to it. So before I even paddle out, I'm trying to tell myself, I'm trying to see that wave coming towards me. I'm telling myself that when that wave comes my way, I'm going to go. Because, mm. I mean, you know that feeling when you're sitting out the back and then suddenly the wave rears up and you just mm. get like a fright almost. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm yeah. over this thing. Yeah. So trying to get in a, in a, in a, like a mindset of anticipating that wave coming and a yes kind of mentality before I even paddle out. So, I mean, it sounds like the mental part of big wave surfing is, do you think, the most important part? I was going to ask you this. If you had to choose between the mental side and the physical side of, you know, having having either either, if you could only choose one for big big wave surfing, which would you choose? The mindset or the or the physical, you know, capabilities to hold your breath and that sort of stuff? Yeah, I, I would definitely choose the mental side. I feel the training is is all feeding just to into the mental and side to confidence. And if you think about it, if you break down, say, a wipeout being only a really long one is like 20, 25 seconds, anybody can actually survive that. But it's if your mind can help you, if your mind stays relaxed, then your body will respond well and you will survive the wipeout. And again, I, I, I also find big wave surfing is, it's not as technical as say, if you were trying to win Margaret River, you would have to be training so hard. You would have to be so dialed in. Whereas big wave surfing, a lot of the waves give you more time than you think. I often find myself paddling into a huge wave and then I'm like, oh, I actually need to take a few extra strokes because the wave takes really long. So it's not as technical as say being in a competition it's not as technical as slab surfing you've got more time so i think it's a lot less about the physical i mean obviously the physical is very important but it's a lot less about that and just i think having confidence just to edging all the doubt out and leaning forward and and being extremely confident and obviously Another big part of, of that is is ocean knowledge. I think ocean knowledge and the, and the mindset are the two most important things. Sick, mate. Sick. 
Hey, so going back to Groundswell, the other side of fear. So that's that was released in the States early this year. Is that right, mate? Yeah, they've had a few premieres, quite a few all around the States, and then they've had a few in Europe. They might have had some in Australia. I'm not actually too sure. And then, yeah, the big one now for Cape Town. And then now it's also just gone onto pay-per-view platforms. So Yeah, I did see that. Um, maybe we can share that link in the in yeah. the podcast. And yeah, I think it's like Apple TV and, and all the kind of pay-per-view streaming things you can you can buy it on there now. So how would you describe the film in your words? So I've taken it you've you've seen the doco like before it before it's come out. I mean, how would you describe it to to someone who doesn't even surf? Yeah, I, I think I think it's so good for experience because a lot of movies just kind of flash all the waves and the, the 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 viewer has no idea what goes into it, kind of really even what's going on. This in particular, especially with the narration from, from Josh, it really kind of dives into the dynamics of what it takes to be a big wave surfer. And so I think especially for somebody who's who's not very dialed into surfing, it's really great because it shows like all the things that are going into it, the dynamics of each surf spot we're riding and then something else i wanted to, to oh the, the the filming is so beautiful on it so it really captures like the sound of the waves exploding and and the imagery is insane and we've got drone footage like right in the action so it, it feels like it takes the viewer really nicely into the action and everything that's that's going on so you get a proper taste of the big wave surfing experience Sick. So, mate, you mentioned before it was shot around Portugal, Hawaii, California. I, I got to ask you: Have you been to Portugal and surf Nazaré? I have. I've, I've been there once before. Nazaré, I think, is it's definitely more catered towards toe surfing, which is not really my my main focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went there once in 2016, and I had the worst beating of my life, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was like maybe 30 foot and shit. I just remember getting dropped out the back because you can't paddle from the beach there. It's like a, a lot of people don't realize it's just, it's a massive beach break. So if you think of how, how much water moves at a beach break, you know, on a six foot day and then make it 30 foot or when these guys are towing it, there's 80 foot waves coming through and it's just random. There's no, mm. no reefs out there to shape the wave. It's like mm. these random peaks all over the, the beach and the currents under the water shooting back out to sea, there's so much water moving. And I just found the whole experience really scary because there's no channel, there's no safe zone. And I remember getting dropped. So, so we launched from the harbor on the other side of the headland and I just got dropped out. I was just floating in the middle of the ocean and I hadn't even seen it from the front yet. So I didn't know what the waves looked like. I didn't know how big it was. And I was just watching these big lumps of water rear up and then sometimes they wouldn't even break and then other ones would rear up and then explode. And I just found it to be very, very uneasy. And then I got, I got a few waves and then I got like the worst beating I've ever had and washed me up the beach. <laughs> I was actually going to ask you, well, two things. What was your worst beating during the, I guess, in the, in the documentary and, and what has been your worst beating ever? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll, so in the in the documentary, the one at Jaws was, was was pretty violent. It was just kind of like I saw the wave coming and I looked and I thought, oh, if I make this wave, it's going to be the, the ride of my life. And I'd had a few really great waves before that, so I was feeling confident. 
and I looked and I was next to all the all the boys and everyone was paddling up the face and wanted and I was like, okay, I'm going. Because that particular day at Jaws, the set waves were kind of borderline paddle. They were really, really big. And I just thought, I'm going on this thing. And yeah, I just, as I as I kind of leaned forward over the edge, it just felt like it went beyond vertical and found myself air dropping, airing through the air. My, my board caught the wind and went a bit sideways. And just before I paddled out, this, this dog ran over my board with mud on its paws and the mud <laughs> was in the wax. And oh, I had that no. in the back of my mind. And I landed and I, my foot slipped onto the rail oh. and it sent me into the cutback. And the, the lip landed straight square on the tail of my board, like one of the biggest waves I've ever had, like 30 foot plus 40 foot wave, I don't know. Landed on the tail of my board. And yeah, it just drilled me so hard. The impact was just unbelievably violent. And uh, one of the things I remember cl most clearly from it was how deep it pulled me under the water. So it hit me and I was just, I just tried to kind of go into a ball and I just said to myself, let's count to 20 and started doing my counting thing, but it was just so incredibly violent. And then it sent me down and I pulled my vest and it just it was sending me deeper. And I felt my ears, I was like, okay, my ears are on the edge of the pressure limit. And it just kept driving me deeper and deeper. And I, I just, I don't know why I couldn't get to my ears or something. I couldn't get to my nose to equalize. And I was like, I can't take this anymore. And just feeling this, the, such a painful sensation in my ears because how yeah. deep it was driving me. And yeah. I was pulling more tags and I was fully inflated, but just really, really deep. And Jeez. I eventually surfaced. It was a really long beat down. And then there was another one straight on me again. And then Ooh. the second one again drove me super deep. And I thought my ears were going to pop again. Um, yeah. And just like, lot of pain on my ears and when I came up after that and I had survived that I was like wow I felt very fortunate to were you counting Matt <laughs> I was I I think though the first one I think I, I once I got to like 15 sec or 12 or 15 seconds I started thinking <laughs> how do you get up <laughs> yeah I think I forgot about my counting yeah yeah, yeah it, was, it was a good experience after that Maybe. I actually I, you know, when you have a beat down, you sometimes you actually feel a bit more empowered and hmm. you're like, ah, oh, I can actually make this. You know, it was kind of like a worst case scenario and made it. So, did you paddle empowered. back out after that? I did. I, I paddled back out and I actually I pulled all, all my canisters. So, I asked like a fish, there's a guy with a boat, fishing boat out there, and I was, like, any chance you got any spare canisters? And he gave, gave me the rustiest corroded canisters. <laughs> And I, was, I put them in my vest, but I was, in the back of my mind, I'm, these things are probably not going to not going to work. Oh. <laughs> I think I sat out there for another two hours, and I, and I got a little wave at the end. But yeah, that, that was my session done. Geez, you got to do a lot of time, don't you, to catch a wave out there, huh? With all the all the crew, all the local crew. Yeah, and I think that session was maybe six hours, and I got I think I got four waves. Wow, that's a lot of time in the water, man. And the whole time, I don't know how it is for other guys, but for me, my adrenaline is just going. So it's a very draining experience. Yeah. Oh, I bet it is. <laughs> I need some recovery after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's I, I actually, crazy. Moment, I also clearly remember I, I got out after that and after a session at Jaws, you just feel like you've just lived so hard. It's such an incredible feeling getting back to land. You just kind of high-five and hug everybody and then – 
I went to like this little cafe and I was like eating a eating something a lunch and I was sitting on the floor. I was just so wasted sitting on the floor outside. And I was just <laughs> watching people go by and I was just thinking, wow, like these people are just doing their normal lives and what what we just experienced out of Jaws was just something I'll never forget. That was quite a strange moment for me. <laughs> oh, do you talk about that wipeout and that wave in the documentary? I do, yeah. Yeah, cool, cool. I know the wave. I know the wave. I remember seeing that wave, yeah. That was hectic, <laughs> mate. That's hectic. <laughs> that's that's what nightmares are made of. <laughs> yeah, it really was. Yeah. And I guess, have you ever had any other wipeouts that can beat that one at Jaws? I think the Nazare experience yeah. was was it wasn't my longest beat down, but I just had a four in a row and and I'll I'll run you through it. So I, I had a few waves and Nazare is very interesting because the jet skis play such a big role in it. Like even Garrett McNamara was out there and he had a, a radio on his shoulder and the guys on the cliff were radioing to radioing to him where the sets were gonna come and he was like dropping a few people on like the first peak, the second peak, third peak, kind of where the sets were coming. So it's this whole another game of like collaboration. And then I've had a few ways. I was feeling confident. So I sat a little bit closer in, a little bit more towards the corner. So the corner is where most of the energy converges and you get the really big ones. Mm. And then suddenly I just, the, all the skiers were a little bit further out to sea and they all just started whistling. Oh, there's a big set coming. And I instantly knew I was very close in and yeah, I was kind of in trouble. And yeah, I paddled over a little one and then, then there was just a huge wall of water, like a massive, massive wall of water. And I just was doing deep breathing <laughs> to, <laughs> to uh, try to remain calm. And then I bailed and the, and the wave crashed over me and I got, I got super worked and I pulled my vest. And then I came up and a guy was coming in to get me on the jet ski. But in Cape Town, kind of if you are... If it's a touch and go situation, we don't really rescue the guy. We will just do a loop on the ski and go back again. But at Nazareth, they want to get you on the ski. They want to get you out of harm's way as soon as possible, even at the risk of the ski. And I thought there's no way this guy's going to rescue me because there was this huge foamy right behind him and he was racing into me. Mm. And he slung me onto the sled. And because I hadn't been, I didn't think there was going to be enough time. I didn't, didn't release my board. So I was holding on the sled and I could feel this like 20 foot foamy wall oh. foam behind holding on, holding on. Hectic. And I started to feel my, my board starting to catch in the water. And then suddenly it just went, poof, it just ripped me off because my board caught and ripped me off into the foam. And then I, oh. I didn't get a good breath. So, cause it just ripped me like, and I was like, Oop. and, and then I got like, like super wild. Wow, it was really really violent beating and i remember the whole time the the current was pulling me back out to sea and that's for me that's almost my worst nightmare because it's fine to get pumped and but if you're getting work normally it washes you out of the zone so maybe you only have two and then you kind of out of harm's way but then i was very aware under the water i was getting pulled back out to sea again and and the water i was trying to swim and it was so aerated there was so yeah. much foam in the so like, i uh, eventually surfaced my leash had snapped and there was so much foam i was trying to get my my face above the foam to get a breath and it was like a big struggle another guy's coming in to get me he pops me again back on the sled and the water was so aerated that his ski it wasn't gripping he wasn't getting oh. acceleration oh no uh, waved the third wave just smoked us and 
I got ripped off the back of, a, a second time. Oh, um, nightmare. To get out of it. I don't know how. He said he was in whiteout, just holding accelerator, and he got out of there. And then so I didn't really get a breath on that third one again and got really, really worked. And then I came up and there was this fourth wave after that with this foamy, ugly double up that would just oh, man. Person, land it on my head. I didn't have enough oh. time to swim like this. That's hectic. So blasted. I kind of rolled up the beach and, oh. and I was looking back at it. I went and sat on the beach, just like that was like the heaviest experience. And I was looking at the horizon and was just moving. My wow. brain had just been so rattled and I was coughing up blood. And Jesus, um, heavy, um, man. That, that, that big char- tow charger, Sebastian, I think Stokna, I don't know how you pronounce it, but yeah. he was, he got smoked next to me as well. And he was like, well, that. At the time, I think he said that was one of the heaviest. Wow, that's <laughs> hectic, mate. He had been in and, yeah, we'd kind of been next to each other and the whole thing. Yeah. It was <laughs> oh, mate, that sounds insane. Yeah, it's it's such a heavy-looking wave, you know, some of the wipeouts that you you see and hear about and choose your experience. Yeah, it sounds pretty heavy. Yeah, I just can't imagine what it's when it's, when it's 80 foot and how much more water is moving and those – Beat that one experience that Kyle Lenny showed with his GoPro, like that he he seemed very chilled in it. He was filming himself and stuff. He seemed fine, but oh, that looked yeah. so heavy. Yeah, can't imagine the, the amount of energy. Yeah, crazy. So, mate, I've got to ask you, what is your? I mean, we spoke about the Southern Hemisphere winter. What is your plans for the for this winter in the Southern Hemisphere? Are you just going to hang home, or or what are your plans, mate? I'd really love to come over to Australia. Yeah, I mean, my I think the the dream this year for me would be to surf Shippies. I've never been there before, and I'd love to come give that a crack. And also hopefully head over to Aladala area. That I really enjoy hanging out there. And having been to Margaret River for maybe eight years now, I used to go there every year. So that's where you're based, right? Yeah, I'm in Dunsbury Yelling Up area. Yeah, so we're at the other end of the Cape. So, yeah, mate, there's some uh, cow bommy, mate. The cow bommy fits on. <laughs> that wave looks so scary. I don't know why that wave doesn't get more more kind of global coverage. I don't know if the locals are choosing to do that or because it looks like such a big, heavy wave and it's not often seen in like the global eye. Yeah, I don't know. I think... Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, it's, it, it was in a – I think it was in Storm Riders. Mm. Sorry, mate. Sophia, can you go in your bedroom? Yeah, yeah I know. It, yeah, it, it was in Storm Riders, I think, with Tommy Carroll and RCJ did some filming there. But you're right, it probably doesn't get that much publicity. It's probably what the, some of the locals probably want. They'd probably shoot mm. if I was talking about it. But, I mean, it's – <laughs> doesn't break that often. I mean, the the, the variables for for it to break are, are probably pretty rare. I would say I, I I can't think of the last time it actually broke. So yeah, yeah but it's that, it's a huge it needs a huge swell with light winds. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And uh, normally with huge swells, we get big onshore winds. You know, and then and then you might get might get a window of offshore. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of slabs, as you can see behind me. There's a there's a slab, yeah, a lot of slabs, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, mate. So uh, yeah. I'd be wow. if you come come to West Oz, I'm I'm sure I could point you in the right direction. 
Um, oh man, without getting too many secrets away online right now. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Hey mate, we have a couple of standard questions that we like to ask our guests on Barrel Surf Podcast, and one of them is best surf trip ever. Mate, have you got a trip in mind that really stands out for you that you've had the like, best surf trip ever? Um, yes. I was hoping you'd say that. Nias is just the best. I don't know if you've been there, but it's just the people are amazing. You stay right on the point so you can just wake up and watch the most perfect barrels you've ever seen in your life with the palm trees as the backdrop. And then there's also the crazy bomby around the corner, which I'm also hoping to go surf this, this year again. So it's just kind of... It's just an incredible place and I feel very comfortable there. I know all the lineups really well and had, I've had some of the best moments of my life. So definitely yes. Did you go over there by yourself or were you with some friends or family when you did that that last trip to Nias, mate? No, I always go there solo. Yeah. And Sometimes I'll link up with the guys. In What's that? Sometimes it's easier in Indo to go solo. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, I couldn't imagine. Going now with two kids as well. <laughs> a lot of the places like the surf camps are a little bit feral and there's a lot of a lot of surfers who probably haven't seen a lady for a couple of weeks and pretty hungry. <laughs> I, remember that, I remember when I went to G-Land, I was just thinking I, I would never, one, one day when I get a wife, I'm never going to bring her to G-Land because oh, when yeah. there was one camp, everyone was like salivating over her. Exactly, mate. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And Nias is one too, right? It's one of those. Yeah, kind of, yeah. No, it's an epic spot. I don't not sure if you got my my note before. Uh, we have two, two two things that we talk about. One Steve Irwin. I'm not sure you, you would have heard of Steve Irwin. Yes. So yes, Steve Irwin was an absolute legend, and unfortunately he, he died quite quite a few years ago. But we have a what we call the Steve Irwin salute, where we nominate someone, whether it's someone or something, whether it's in surfing or non-surfing, that's done a really good deed. Do you have a hmm. Steve Irwin salute? I'm going to throw my salute out to my my friend Nigel Saval, who so he runs an outreach project here in Cape Town which I help out a little bit. And he grew up in quite an early area in the, in the townships. And there was a big pool, I think, all the kids growing up there to get into gangsterism. And he he decided to step away from that and, and surf and, and change his life. And he runs an incredible program called the Nine Miles Project. And we're going to be actually giving some proceeds from or some we're going to be donating some money from from the movie from from the premiere here to to the nine miles project and they just they mentor up like 50 60 kids and they use surfing as, as a tool to reach out to them and i just can't imagine it must be such a thankless job running something like that and all the kids you constantly trying to keep on the straight and narrow and and empower them it, it must be a very tough job so i'll select nigel Oh, great work! Great nomination and double thumbs up to Nigel, mate. What a great, what a great course. So on the flip side, we have the Clive Palmer Cup. So Clive Palmer is a, is a greedy mining magnate in in, in okay. Australia, and we don't like him over here, especially in Western Australia. So do you have, have a Clive nomination for, I, I guess, the complete opposite to Steve Irwin, someone who's someone or something? That's that's basically giving you the shits. 
Do you have have any Clive Palmer nominations, mate? What's so, what, I, I still want to be able to travel around the world and surf waves. There's waves. <laughs> so I can't throw out any names because I might not be welcomed home welcome back to certain waves around the world. <laughs> Fair enough, mate. But maybe I'll just, uh, there was a big stand recently against like the Shell, the, the, they, they're like a, the petrol gas company here in South Africa and they were mining up, they wanted to mine up a whole, like a huge part of the South African coastline for oil and so many incredible, so much biodiversity and, and coastline that they wanted to just like kind of ruin for oil. And so I'll just say again, Shell, yeah, petrol. <laughs> <laughs> And maybe you can invite me back down the line when I don't have to travel to certain waves and then I'll maybe throw out a few names. Yeah, for sure, mate, for sure. Hey, one thing that just jumped to my mind, did you watch, you must have watched the Eddie. Yeah. How was it? Did you, were you watching the whole lot or did you get a few hours in it? Uh, well, so unfortunately Hawaii is the opposite time zone to South Africa. So I, I watched like the first couple of heats and, the guys were sending it, hey, like literally oh, intense, mate. mindset was like, just go no matter what. I think even if you're going to be doing a full airdrop, guys were, oh, it was pretty nuts to watch. Yeah. How did you enjoy it? Mate, it was insane. We we spoke to Paul Ant-Man Patterson and we actually had him on the podcast. I'm not sure if you heard of Ant-Man Patterson. He came third in the Eddie twice and he was absolutely foaming at the lips and Started, yeah. Started. I mean, I I was sort of trying to watch it online, but I end up watching all the highlights. And big wave surfing a contest. It's it just reaches, I think, such a big audience. And and one thing, actually, we had a quick interview of Nathan Florence, who was in Margaret River, and I actually asked him, "What's the latest with the uh, the big wave surf tour?" And, and it's basically nothing's really happening. You know, you, you sort of have it at one event and then 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 award a, a big wave world champion. It, I don't know what your thoughts are, mate, but it's a shame that they you know, someone hasn't come in and provide some backing to really kickstart a, a potential big wave tour, you know, just to reignite it. Because it, it was such an exciting event to watch the Eddie, even for non-service. I think it just went 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 pretty crazy worldwide on that. For what sure, do you yeah. want to big wave world tour? Would is that something that would interest you, or do do you have do you hear much about what the status is or what the lack of happenings are in um, that space? Yeah, I mean, I, I talked to all the guys, and I've finally got my invite to Jaws two years ago, which I've been dreaming of my whole life, and it hasn't ran in the last two years. <laughs> but oh man, I don't I don't understand it, hey, because this. Big wave surfing is so appealing. I mean, like when you watch the Eddie or you watch the Jaws event firing, it's like there's nothing better. And it it so appeals to a mainstream audience. So I think it has the opportunity to just be such a huge deal. And I don't understand why more companies are not getting behind doing more more big wave events. I guess like there's now the the 20 foot plus thing that, that Surfline are doing. They're not running contests, but they are. They do give out awards for like good performances, and they're also kind of documenting all the big swells. We've got a thing going with them where, in South Africa, if if, they, if we see a huge swell coming, we'll let them know, and they they they, they sponsor the, the boats and the filmers to come out and capture all the footage, and we do on the ground filming of everything we're doing, and so. They're kind of a body that's trying to revamp stuff in the big wave community around the world, but otherwise 
Yeah, I'm not quite sure why that, that there's only one event. I mean, there used to be like six or seven. There mm. used to be three or four for the Northern Hemisphere winter. Then it would switch to the Southern Hemisphere winter. And like even watching like Corte Escondido, yeah, the Nazare stuff. I know that the Dungeons events here used to be absolutely insane. That wasn't WSL, but that was another thing. And the, the whole of Cape Town and South Africa still talks about the, the big wave Africa, you know. Back in the day, it, it, it livens up the, the, the whole country and, and people around the world. And I really hope that maybe some more mainstream companies can get involved and we can we can get some, some more big wave events. I really hope someone comes in and puts some backing behind it. Mm. Hey, I know you like UFC. I did see UFC 290, Robert Whitaker versus, yeah, Drickus. Who have you got? <laughs> Who have you got? <laughs> It's quite funny because my brother, he actually has done quite a bit of jiu-jitsu with Drickus. And so I think anything can happen with him. He's very powerful and strong. I don't think he's anywhere near as like experienced and technical as Robert Whitaker. So maybe if it's a if if Drickus can get something going early, maybe he's he can take it. But Otherwise, I think Robert Whitaker, he's got, he's so well-rounded he's and he's got the stamina and, oh, can't wait to watch it. <laughs> it's going to yeah. be insane. Have, have you been rolling with the brother? You've been doing any rolling? Oh, I just get so worked. It's like really great prep for, for wide parts because he's, my brother's 120 kilos. He's one below black belt in jiu-jitsu yeah, and yeah. he just smashes me. I love it. It's, it's so good. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. No, I'm looking forward to that. Mate, I've got, to, I've got to bail, but thanks again for joining us, mate. All the best with the local premiere and uh, Groundswell, the other side of fear. I know people, as you said earlier, people, it's been made available in all the different outlets and through Apple and et cetera. Yeah, all the folks that listen to Barrel Surf Podcast, get on board and check out Brom Dog. Mate, so thanks, <laughs> thanks again for joining us, mate, and all the best. And uh, yeah, Thanks so much for having me, T-Bone. See you Cheers, soon. Brother. See you, mate. Bye-bye.